President, what do you know right now about why this happened? And can you assure Americans that there won't be a ripple effect? Do you expect other banks to fail, Mr. President? Should all depositors be protected at all banks? He's absolutely a magnificent leader. He is um, younger than I am, so I don't know what the... <laughs> so I don't know what the problem is, but... <laughs> I don't know whether our friends can hear, but the USS Missouri, can you hear us? I see them all over there. They're standing at attention. Can I tell them at ease? I'm their commander-in-chief, right? I mean, <laughs> it is March 14th, Pi Day, 2023. Welcome to The Daily Rob. You can find Rob all across the internet. Check the All My links. It has all of his socials. See, a lot of y'all are listening on Spotify nowadays due to the YouTube strike, so thank you so much for that. Always give the Substack some love as well. And as always, the mothership, robisright.com. Without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Rob Smith. Stu, it's March Madness. Bam! Stu, I could talk about my basketball career and my hops, but, you know, I just don't have an inflated opinion of myself at all. So I won't do that. But I want to give you some prompts, Stu, and tell people um, about your moniker. As you may know, Stu is a man of substance and high moral fiber. And during um, within the Smith family, there were a number of brackets floating around, and Stu stood up for all things good and for Western civilization today by saying that he is a monobracketist. Oh, no. And I agree with Stu. You don't play six or seven brackets at the same time. You make your choice, and you live with your choice. That's what men do. Right, Stu? Yeah, I'm, I'm protecting the sanctity of March Madness. And, you know, there are a lot of people who don't want to protect the sanctity of March Madness. And for me, you it's one shot at victory. And, you know, I'm saying this as someone who won the family bracket last year. Whoa. First, first place. Did I in that? Yeah, you were, I think you were like third or fourth. Well, no. <laughs> But it was, it was, it was, I think Stu it was, has to rub it in my face. Sorry. Jesus Christ. Here we are in public and you're just smearing <laughs> it all over me. But, you know, there was one, the, the one family member who has five brackets this year is the one who got last place. And it's, it's just telling. It's, I mean, it really. Might we also say that this person is a, um, let's say, not anywhere near as conservative as we are. She is definitely is not. It's just this uh, woke entitlement. Well, if I get it wrong on the first bracket, maybe I can get a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth chance. No, it's not the way it works. You make a decision and you live with your decision, right, Stu? That, that's how I feel about it. That's know? right. You know, I had Michigan State going really far last year. They didn't get far at all. But, you know, I was right about Villanova. And so I was able to win in the end. But, I mean, it was it was down to the wire. You know, I did a little research on this, too, and uh, George Washington, James Madison, James Monroe, all the early Virginians, all of the founding fathers, they were, they, too, were monobracketist. I interrupted George Washington bawling, and I regret it. 
<laughs> Before we get to the big stories of today, I want to tell you about Newark, New Jersey, which is run by this uh, mayor named Haas Baraka. These people are so stupid. It's just incredible. Newark signed a sister city agreement where they were going to have cultural trade with this entity. Um, <laughs> the name of the entity is the United States of Kaleza, which doesn't really sound like a city, but they signed this thing. They had a big ceremony about it and everything, and they were all patting themselves on the back. Um, the mayor made a big speech about, you know, hoping they could better each other, blah, blah, blah. A lot of kumbaya, a lot of woke nonsense. <laughs> the United States of Kaleza does it exist as i'm sure all rob is right listeners know <laughs> big news is silicon valley bank and uh it blew up um and um it was um all the financial news today is the fallout amongst this by the way Stu, i took the opportunity to buy a few stocks today uh, as soon as i heard that the government was going to um was going to ensure all deposits, not just uh, the $250,000 limit on deposits. Um, I bought a little bit of uh, Pacific Western, Western Alliance, First Republic, Regions Financials, uh, First Third Bank, uh, uh, Comerica, and some Huntington Bank shares. Um, when it dipped and I saw that they had higher dividends than they usually do in a strong balance sheet, you got acts, dude, you got to pounce. Um, but you know, unfortunately, a lot of people, uh, who don't deserve to make money are making money off of this. The government has decided they're going to bail out all these people in silicon valley why do you think that is because they're in bed with them these are the same people who censor your speech so all of their deposits are going to be protected and one has to ask Stu, here they were they got an a rating from the feds as to their financial security all these super super smart people in silicon valley put tons of money in this bank does nobody look at the balance sheet what was going on is they uh, they were heavily concentrated and leveraged in tech stocks. Uh, well, as the tech stocks went down and they were paying a, a minuscule dividend, Fed funds rates go up. And um, again, um, that's another mistake of our government um, in the sense that inflation uh, is a result of not enough capital going to work it has nothing to do with what the fed is doing the fed is making things much much worse you want to bring prices down you have a dynamic economy what the experts again think at the fed is that you have to slow the economy down uh, to bring prices in line and that is the uh, absolute 180 degrees wrong answer one of the entities that's being bailed out in this is uh, a, the, a Chinese venture capital fund. 
um, that has apparently significant deposits in the bank. Um, and I heard today that um, HSBC has bought the UK version of Silicon Valley Bank. Stu, what do you think about all this? Well, I don't like the gaslighting. So the news of this broke Friday morning and, you know, we go into the weekend kind of worrying that is there going to be a big bank collapse on Monday morning? And Janet Yellen came out, I think, on Saturday and said they weren't going to bail out Silicon Valley Bank itself, but they would, you know, make sure that people got their money back. And then the gaslighting came of, you know, if we don't bail out the bank, what about the all the moms on Etsy who make all their money through Silicon Valley Bank? And, you know, we're going to have a new Great Depression Monday morning if we don't bail out. And it's just it's gross. Uh, Ackman has already said that the government's got to step in here and actually do a bailout. Your taxpayer dollars to bail out the elites in Silicon Valley who don't give a crap about you who deplatform you, who look down their nose at you, who laugh at you when they're making all their stock options and all their warrants, everything kicks in. Your betters, your betters, all these, all these arrogant, uh, you know, digital nomads, right, that just sit there and mock and ridicule everything you stand for. Well, now they ain't mocking and ridiculing. They're going to come to the deplorables like they always do, like they did back in 2008. And here's the thing. You're gonna ha- they're going to have to prove the case of the contagion. That's just going to spread. Or if it's just not systemic in the fact that these banks and these financial institutions have not been properly managed. It looks like First Republic Bank people are talking about it already. I think the stock down 60 percent. It's just like education where the government takes over. You're required to send your kids to shitty schools uh, and people abdicate their right, their responsibility to educate their own children. All these um, venture funds in Silicon Valley should have been looking at the balance sheet of the bank. Uh, It's called personal responsibility. And when you abdicate your responsibility to a bunch of nitwits who run the government, who gave it an A rating, uh, this is what you get. And people ought to be ought to pay the price for their own negligence. And then in the future, um, banks will be run much more soundly because not only will shareholders be looking over the looking at the books, but depositors will too. And as long as you bail folks out, you're going to have to bail out lots and lots and lots of folks who all who know that they can take incredible risks because the federal government is going to come in and save their asses. Yeah, it ain't right. And then you know, so many people affiliated with the Silicon Valley Bank gave themselves a massive raise and bonuses right before they all went under too. And ninety percent of them give to what Democratic? I mean, oops, I gave, I gave yeah. it away. Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what I was going to say. And uh, and then just one more thing about this. You know, Salon had an article today where they said that Republicans falsely blame woke ideology for SVB collapse. That's linked to Trump era deregulation. And obviously, you know, deregulation can reach a point where it's negatively impacting things. But the article failed to mention that in 2022, there was no chief risk officer working at SVB. And you know, so that com- that point is completely ignored. And then when they finally do get their risk officer, you know, the bank isn't about being a bank. The bank is about being 
a kind of social initiative fund, you know, doing all these social justice programs instead of focusing on its number one job, which is to be a bank. It's a, like a bunch of children um, who are who run the bank. You know, they're playing ping pong in the um, in the new workspace they have and um, or, and ordering Grubhub and, you know, all the things that happen at FTX with Sam Bankman Freed. You get these kids who've never done anything. They happen to be in a hot market. They think they're hot shit. They don't have they don't have any experience uh in any hard times, uh, they think the world is easy. They have hubris and they think they're smarter than everybody else when really they're just woke idiots. And that seems to be what happened here. If you're entrusted with other people's money, you have a fiduciary obligation to be a steward of that money. These folks don't understand this at all. All their portfolio were in these high-flying tech stocks. Any money manager in the world who doesn't live in Silicon Valley will tell you the importance of diversifying um, a portfolio uh, to prevent exactly what happened. Um, They could have prevented this. They could have had greater rules on, on deposit withdrawals. They could have seen this, but they didn't because they're too busy. Uh, telling everybody who they should hire and um, uh, how great it is to cut your penis off and become a girl. Yeah, and it's we've covered multiple times the various layoffs that have been occurring seasonally with places like Google, with places like Facebook. And so you'd imagine, did they not have an assistant chief risk officer who was saying, hey, we need to diversify if we're seeing multiple layoffs across Silicon Valley. Well, it's just like um, Sam Bankman Freed and his ugly horse faced girlfriend. Um, They're entitled. Um, um, They think they're um, these, these wonder children, probably everybody told them, you know, how great they were because they went to MIT or something, but they have no practical experience in the real world. Um, and their hubris is mountainous. How's that? James Comer today or yesterday, I think he was on one of the talk shows. Anyway, he said that they've got the goods on the that his uh, congressional investigative committee has the goods on the Biden crime family. We all know they took money from the Communist Party of China. We've been reporting on this for a long time, but apparently he actually has the documents now. And there are four whistleblowers who are ratting the Bidens out. We actually have bank records in hand. We have individuals who are working with our committee. Uh, In the last two weeks, we've met with either these individuals personally or with their attorneys. Uh, And that would be four individuals who had uh, uh, ties in with the Biden family on their various schemes around the world. Probably the most disheartening thing I've seen the past two or three days is what has gone on at Stanford Law School. So you've invited me to speak here, and I've been heckled nonstop. And I'm just asking for an administrator to sign the That's an administrator. If you want a marketplace like this, you have gotten what you wanted, take it. 
Like, do you want an echo chamber? What's the issue? Can I help? I guess I have to hold up remarks. They're not letting me Guy I practice law with. God, we've co-counseled a bunch of stuff. He's an older gent, uh, Oxford scholar. He went to Stanford Law. Um, couldn't be more of a gentleman. I mean, what's going on there, again, is is um, symptomatic of this uh, Silicon Valley, Palo Alto. Uh, we're, we're, we're the chosen ones. Uh, we can... Um, we are smarter than everybody. We're woke. We're entitled. But there was a speaker who came, Judge Duncan from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And he was just going to speak to the law school like most that that happens at law schools all the time. And the children, I will call them children. These are future lawyers were heckling him, laughing, not letting him talk. And they're their um, diversity officer, uh, associate dean of diversity and equity, a Tyrian standback, got up and gave this federal judge a lecture. Um, and she said, is the juice worth the squeeze? And the guy looked at her like, what are you talking about? And she just rambles on just this nonsense about Twitter and guns and COVID is it are your views on all this? Is it worth triggering the, the students? And she tells the, the students how they might be harmed by listening to this judge. And it's just it's just it. She obviously is just a vacuous dumbass. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She repeats herself. She's verbose. And the judge is looking at her like, what are you talking about? the way to address speech that feels abhorrent, that feels harmful, that literally denies the humanity of people, that one way to do that is with more speech and not less, and not to shut you down or censor you or censor the student group that invited you here. That is hard, that is uncomfortable, and that is a policy and a principle that I think is worthy of defending even in this time, even in this time. And again, I still ask, is the juice worth the squeeze? What is that? I mean, is it worth the pain that this causes and the division that this causes? Do you have something so incredible important to say about Twitter and guns and COVID that that is worth this impact? And then she tells everybody, um, well, you know, if you think you're going to be triggered or this or that, you can leave. So the students walk out and the judge is sitting here. Y'all invited me here. Um, and still, I think the judge had some uh, pretty pointed words at uh, Miss Steinbeck and the class, did he not? Yeah. So, you know, I was keeping an eye on this when it broke and Daily Mail reported that routers had reached out to a law student, Tessa Silverman, who attended this protest. And she said that Duncan himself appeared angry and called some students idiots, to which Duncan confirmed and said, they are idiots, they are hypocrites, and they are bullies. <laughs> I, just, I liked it. See, this Silverman woman has never had anybody say anything cross to her before. Um, you can, you can so find she's shocked. She's, she's harmed by it, and she'll have to go into therapy and maybe be hospitalized for a month. You can find her on Twitter at Tessa Silverman, Stanford Law student, 
sad about the law and everything else. God. So as you predicted, <laughs> openly depressed. Well, Stu, when I went to law school, it was hard as hell all the time. Um, and uh, it was serious. Um, but to see these kids in the in the video, I mean, they they act like children. And I know when I went to law school, my law school, University of Richmond, we had the highest bar rate in the state year after year after year because they worked your asses off. Now they have the lowest bar rate in the state. And I predict that places like Yale and Stanford and these law schools that have gone so woke, they coddle the students, um, they give them therapy dogs, they don't work them anywhere near as hard as what we did. They are going to end up in last place in places like uh, the Appalachian School of Law in Grundy, Virginia, are going to be the places that are going to produce the best lawyers. You wait and see. And another aspect of this is that there were four staff members, including the DEI dean, who gave the little, uh, I guess, warning label before Duncan spoke. And they specifically sent emails out to the student body saying, we are not preventing him from speaking, but we encourage you to go and make your voice known because they had had the issue with Ann Coulter where Ann Coulter was prevented from speaking as an alum. And then they said, we're standing up for this. We are going to make it clear that we are a free speech campus. So they skirted the law or skirted the school policies as much as possible to essentially shut the thing down without specifically saying, go shut the thing down. And so all four of these staff members should be fired. Stanford did an apology letter, but they didn't say anything about repercussions for this. Uh, the Stanford newspaper is calling for her to be fired. And, you know, I checked through the Stanford Law School Twitter. They didn't even promote the event. They promoted other winter seminar series like Matthew Ginskow speaking, but they never had any advertisement for this thing. They knew it was dead on arrival. You can look at the Stanford Law Twitter and you can see things talking about, you know, how we can interact with Chinese legal systems, you know, uh, DEI stuff, uh, diversity, equity and inclusion research with Norm Spalding, who is a Stanford Law School professor, um, medical stuff. And so it's clear that this was a very isolated event, even though they claimed to be free speech and they still couldn't even allow it to be a little isolated event. It's embarrassing and disheartening but these folks will never succeed in the law if they can't hear another opinion and make a rational argument. All right, Stu. Oh, I have an article out on Real Clear Markets today. Take a look at it. And remember, folks, be like Stu and be a monobracketist. Absolutely. You know, it's that's the fun of March Madness is that your bracket could be busted day one. And it's just the roll of the draw. Right. Uh, you got to stand for some. What's that old old country song? Um, you have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Um, you know, you take a stand, you vote for the team. Um, if you lose, you lose. But at least you did it with honor. Absolutely. I think that's a good note to end on. All right, Stu. Right. Later. Bye. You got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything.